0: chapter two of wieland or the transformation an american tale by charles Brockton brown this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two early in the morning of a sultry day in august he left mettingen to go to the city he had seldom passed a day from home since his return from the shores of the ohio some urgent engagements at this time existed which would not admit of further delay he returned in the evening but appeared to be greatly oppressed with fatigue his silence and dejection were likewise in a more than ordinary degree conspicuous my mother's brother whose profession was that of a surgeon chanced to spend this night at our house it was from him that i have frequently received an exact account of the mournful catastrophe that followed as the evening advanced my father's inquietudes increased he sat with his family as usual but took no part in their conversation he appeared fully engrossed by his own reflections occasionally his countenance exhibited tokens of alarm he gazed steadfastly and wildly at the ceiling and the exertions of his companions were scarce sufficient to interrupt his reverie on recovering from these fits he expressed no surprise but pressing his hand to his head complained in a tremulous and terrified tone that his brain was scorched to cinders he would then betray marks of insupportable anxiety my uncle perceived by his pulse that he was indisposed but in no alarming degree and ascribed appearances chiefly to the workings of his mind. He exhorted him to recollection and composure, but in vain. At the hour of repose he readily retired to his chamber. At the persuasion of my mother he even undressed and went to bed. Nothing could abate his restlessness. He checked her tender expostulations with some sternness. Be silent, said he, for that which I feel there is but one cure, and that will shortly come. You can help me nothing." look to your own condition and pray to god to strengthen you under the calamities that await you what am i to fear she answered what terrible disaster is it that you think of peace as yet i know it not myself but come it will and shortly she repeated her inquiries and doubts but he suddenly put an end to the discourse by a stern command to be silent she had never before known him in this mood hitherto all was benign in his deportment her heart was pierced with sorrow at the contemplation of this change she was utterly unable to account for it or to figure to herself the species of disaster that was menaced contrary to custom the lamp instead of being placed on the hearth was left upon the table over it against the wall there hung a small clock so contrived as to strike a very hard stroke at the end of every sixth hour that which was now approaching was the signal for retiring to the fane at which he addressed his devotions long habit had occasioned him to be always awake at this hour and the toll was instantly obeyed now frequent and anxious glances were cast at the clock not a single movement of the index appeared to escape his notice as the hour verged towards twelve his anxiety visibly augmented the trepidations of my mother kept pace with those of her husband she was intimidated into silence all that was left to her was to watch every change of his features and give vent to her sympathy in tears at length the hour was spent and the clock tolled the sound appeared to communicate a shock to every part of my father's frame he rose immediately and threw over himself a loose gown even this office was performed with difficulty for his joints trembled and his teeth chattered with dismay at this hour his duty called him to the rock and my mother naturally concluded that it was thither he intended to repair yet these incidents were so uncommon as to fill her with astonishment and foreboding she saw him leave the room and heard his steps as they hastily descended the stairs she half resolved to rise and pursue him but the wildness of the scheme quickly suggested itself he was going to a place whither no power on earth could induce him to suffer an attendant the window of her chamber looked toward the rock the atmosphere was clear and calm but the edifice could not be discovered at that distance through the dusk my mother's anxiety would not allow her to remain where she was she rose and seated herself at the window she strained her sight to get a view of the dome and of the path that led to it the first painted itself with sufficient distinctness on her fancy was undistinguishable by the eye from the rocky mass on which it was erected the second could be imperfectly seen but her husband had already passed or had taken a different direction what was it that she feared some disaster impended over her husband or herself he had predicted evils but professed himself ignorant of what nature they were when were they to come was this night or this hour to witness the accomplishment she was tortured with impatience and uncertainty all her fears were at present linked to his person, and she gazed at the clock, with nearly as much eagerness as my father had done, in expectation of the next hour. An half-hour passed away in this state of suspense. Her eyes were fixed upon the rock. Suddenly it was illuminated. A light proceeding from the edifice made every part of the scene visible. A gleam diffused itself over the intermediate space, and instantly a loud report, like the explosion of a mine, followed. She uttered an involuntary shriek, but the new sounds that greeted her ear, quickly conquered her surprise they were piercing shrieks and uttered without intermission the gleams which had diffused themselves far and wide were in a moment withdrawn but the interior of the edifice was filled with rays the first suggestion was that a pistol was discharged and that the structure was on fire she did not allow herself time to meditate a second thought but rushed into the entry and knocked loudly at the door of her brother's chamber my uncle had been previously roused by the noise and instantly flew to the window he also imagined what he saw to be fire. The loud and vehement shrieks which succeeded the first explosion seemed to be an invocation of succour. The incident was inexplicable, but he could not fail to perceive the propriety of hastening to the spot. He was unbolting the door when his sister's voice was heard on the outside, conjuring him to come forth. He obeyed the summons with all the speed in his power. He stopped not to question her, but hurried downstairs and across the meadow which lay between the house and the rock. The shrieks were no longer to be heard, but a blazing light was clearly discernible between the columns of the temple. Irregular steps, hewn in the stone, led him to the summit. On three sides, this edifice touched the very verge of the cliff. On the fourth side, which might be regarded as the front, there was an area of small extent to which the rude staircase conducted you. My uncle speedily gained the spot. His strength was for a moment exhausted by his haste. He paused to rest himself meanwhile he bent the most vigilant attention toward the object before him within the columns he beheld what he could no better describe than by saying that it resembled a cloud impregnated with light it had the brightness of flame but was without its upward motion it did not occupy the whole area and rose but a few feet above the floor no part of the building was on fire this appearance was astonishing he approached the temple as he went forward the light retired and when he put his feet within the apartment, utterly vanished. The suddenness of this transition increased the darkness that succeeded in a tenfold degree. Fear and wonder rendered him powerless. An occurrence like this, in a place assigned to devotion, was adapted to intimidate the stoutest heart. His wandering thoughts were recalled by the groans of one near him. His sight gradually recovered its power, and he was able to discern my father stretched on the floor at that moment my mother and servants arrived at the lanthorn and enabled my uncle to examine more closely the scene my father when he left the house besides a loose upper vest and slippers wore a shirt and drawers now he was naked his skin throughout the greater part of his body was scorched and bruised his right arm exhibited marks as of having been struck by some heavy body his clothes had been removed and it was not immediately perceived that they were reduced to ashes his slippers and his hair were untouched he was removed to his chamber and the requisite attention paid to his wounds which gradually became more painful a mortification speedily shoed itself in the arm which had been most hurt soon after the other wounded parts exhibited the like appearance immediately subsequent to this disaster my father seemed nearly in a state of insensibility he was passive under every operation he scarcely opened his eyes and was with difficulty prevailed upon to answer the questions that were put to him by his imperfect account it appeared that while engaged in silent orisons with thoughts full of confusion and anxiety a faint gleam suddenly shot athwart the apartment his fancy immediately pictured to itself a person bearing a lamp it seemed to come from behind. He was in the act of turning to examine the visitant when his right arm received a blow from a heavy club. At the same instant, a very bright spark was seen to light upon his clothes. In a moment, the hole was reduced to ashes. This was the sum of the information which he chose to give. There was somewhat in his manner that indicated an imperfect tale. My uncle was inclined to believe that half the truth had been suppressed. Meanwhile, the disease thus wonderfully generated betrayed more terrible symptoms fever and delirium terminated in lethargic slumber which in the course of two hours gave place to death yet not till insupportable exhalations and crawling putrefaction had driven from his chamber and the house every one whom their duty did not detain such was the end of my father none surely was ever more mysterious when we recollect his gloomy anticipations and unconquerable anxiety the security from human malice which his character the place and the condition of the times, might be supposed to confer the purity and cloudlessness of the atmosphere, which rendered it impossible that lightning was the cause, what are the conclusions that we must form? The prelusive gleam, the blow upon his arm, the fatal spark, the explosion heard so far, the fiery cloud that environed him, without detriment to the structure, though composed of combustible materials, the sudden vanishing of this cloud at my uncle's approach, what is the inference to be drawn from these facts? Their truth cannot be doubted my uncle's testimony is peculiarly worthy of credit because no man's temper is more skeptical and his belief is unalterably attached to natural causes i was at this time a child of six years of age the impressions that were then made upon me can never be effaced i was ill qualified to judge respecting what was then passing but as i advanced in age and became more fully acquainted with these facts they oftener became the subject of my thoughts their resemblance to recent events revived them with new force in my memory and may be more anxious to explain them was this the penalty of disobedience this the stroke of a vindictive and invisible hand is it a fresh proof that the divine ruler interferes in human affairs meditates an end selects and commissions his agents and enforces by unequivocal sanctions submission to his will or was it merely the irregular expansion of the fluid that imparts warmth to our hearts and our blood caused by the fatigue of the preceding day or flowing by established laws from the condition of his thoughts a case in its symptoms exactly parallel to this is published in one of the journals of florence see likewise similar cases reported by messrs merrill and Morer in the journal de medicine for february and may seventeen eighty three the research of Maffei and fontana have thrown some light upon this subject end of chapter two